How many of you like a good movie? Good movies, if it's a good movie, has a great storyline, doesn't it? There might be some twists and turns throughout the movie. There might be some emotional, tear-jerking moments. Right, men? You cry, don't you? Mm -hmm. Admit it. There might be some laughter. There might be some good drama. How many of you guys like some action? But a good movie has a combination of, of a lot of those. And it, it, it keeps you intrigued. It's, uh, it, it's heartfelt whenever you can identify with the character or characters in a movie. And they're like a good Hallmark movie, right? They're just something about a good movie. Well, tonight is just that. It's an incredible story of a man in the Bible who was a very prestigious man. He had a, a great career, but that served, uh, just immediately turned south when he was faced with a tragedy in his life. His story has some twists and turns. There's some funny moments, and we're going to get to them in just a moment. But there's also some emotional moments that you will see. And it's my goal tonight to extract nine truths from his story that I know that can help you and can help me. And my goal tonight is to just to share a whole lot of Hallmark Channel goodness into your life. Can I get an amen? But to do that, I got to give you some backstory to Naaman. In fact, his name is Naaman. He's in the book of 2 Kings. First and 2 Kings tells us about the history of the nation of Israel. It tells us that there was a once a united nation that became divided. There was a northern part of the nation and a southern. Northern had ten tribes, the southern had only two. It would be like um, in Louisiana, we have Highway 190 that goes east-west, correct? So north of that would be like the nation of, or the divided kingdom of Israel. And we're in Judah with only two tribes. And Naaman wasn't from either of those. He was actually from a, a nation of, it was called Aram, A-R-A-M, which would be like Arkansas. Anybody from Arkansas? Hey, we got one in the back. Glory to God. Well, he was from Arkansas. But the issue was is that there was contention between the two nations, between Aram, and the nations of Israel. They were always in conflict. They were always in fighting. And it's still going on today. Two days ago, Israel shot down. By the way, Aram, today's name is Syria. Israel shot down an airplane of Syria two days ago. They're still in contention today.
But Naaman was from that nation. He was from Arkansas. And the Bible tells us that he was a very prestigious man. He was second in command. He was in charge of the army. He was a very popular man. He was also very highly respected. Some could say that he was a national hero. And so we pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're just going to methodically go through 15 verses and extract nine truths out of a couple verses here and there. And we begin in, in verse 1, it says, Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, the king, highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. Here's our first twist of the movie. But he had what? He had leprosy. Once a man on the pinnacle of his career was now facing a dark period of his life. Just a little history about leprosy. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail, but the Greek word is lepra. It literally means scales falling off. Today, a lot of people would say it's somewhat similar to psoriasis, but leprosy is much worse, but you get the idea. It's, it's, it's a skin deformation. The leper was considered unclean, and he had to be isolated from the rest of the town. In fact, whenever he walked and, and there were people coming near him, he had to shout himself or herself, unclean, unclean. He was forced away from his own family. Many lepers had nerve damage, and so they had no feelings in their arm or hands or even feet and legs. They had difficulty sleeping. They were restless. You ever been there? But he endured it 24-7. But here's the kicker. There was no cure. So he was just to be left alone with other lepers. So why Naaman's story, Rob? Why is it even in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Because the first truth is this, and fill in the blanks, God uses all people and all things to achieve his purpose. Amen? Remember where he's from. He's not from Louisiana. He's from Arkansas. He's not even a friend of Israel. They did not like each other. But let me tell you, the source of Naaman's victories were God. His valor, his being highly regarded was all from God. It was God's sovereign plan the entire time to use a member of the enemy to maybe bring a message to the people of Israel. If there's one thing that I've learned in my many years of not only being in ministry, but being uh, walking down the spiritual journey is that God does not waste anything. He will use your story. He'll use somebody else's story to maybe bring a teaching or a lesson to you. If God can use a donkey, amen, 
He might even use your job situation. He might even use a relationship issue that's going on, maybe with an unbeliever. He might even use a conflict that you're having with a neighbor. Let me tell you this. God will use a Jew and he'll also use a Gentile to deliver his message. And his message at this time of the stage in the nation of Israel, you need to repent and turn back to me. God said, well, don't have anybody really. Now, he did have Elijah and Elisha, okay? He had those two prophets and many other prophets, but he had to go into another nation that was an enemy of Israel to bring healing to his land. In today's world, God will even use a Democrat to speak to a Republican. And he'll use a Republican to speak to a Democrat. Can I get an amen? God sent Naaman. God gave us Naaman. A man who was dealing with quite a bit. Story goes on in 2 Kings Verses 2 and 4, now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. So right here we see already there's another twist in the story in the movie. And she served Naaman's wife. So a band of marauders basically went out, captured people to bring back to serve the people of Aram. Look what this little servant girl says. To her, to his, uh, to his wife. If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria. In other words, he's the one that can bring and be the, the, the window of opportunity and healing to Naaman. He would cure him of leprosy. Naaman, so what did Naaman do? Naaman goes to his master and tells him what the girl from Israel had said. So I want to stop right here. It was not uncommon for this kind of activity to take place, to go grab someone, to literally steal them. She was literally stolen from her family to now become a servant to Naaman's wife. She could have been bitter. She could have tried to run away. She could have stayed in a, a state of just contention with her people that she's serving. But somehow she knew that that was not the way to live. How do we know this? Because her reaction to Naaman was, I know who can heal you. So she goes to his wife and said, can you let him know that there's a prophet in Israel. He can help. And so the wife takes that information, goes to her husband Naaman, and he says, okay, I think I'm ready. And so truth number two that we can pluck out of here, these couple verses is, the servant girl refused to be silent. She could have said, you know what? I'm going to let Naaman rot and live a life of despair 
My life got stolen, so I'm going to seek revenge. She could have done that, but she chose not to. She could have remained in bitterness. She could have remained in unforgiveness. But she had a different kind of heart. She was a true servant. A servant girl who remained or refused to remain silent. Is there someone in your life that has not received healing from the Lord because you've remained silent? Is there someone in your life that you've been kind of torn? Do I say something about Lord or do I not say something? Maybe a coworker. Do I go there or do I just not say anything? Let me tell you this, there are a lot of people that we come across that are experiencing problems, right? Marriage problems, financial problems, work-related problems, relational problems. I know all of you could raise your hand to any one of those, right? But how many of us are remaining silent and not saying anything? Do you know what I found that works? A great avenue or a great door? is just simply say, can I pray for you? I can't tell you how many times I've gone to hospitals, sometimes not even knowing the person. They might be a relative of you, and you've asked us to go pray for them. You know what I do? I love that opportunity. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I've been working on staff for 14 years or so. Maybe near a hundred hospital visits. I don't know. No one has ever refused prayer. What an open opportunity. So if you know someone or if someone is going through a difficult problem, you've got the answer, don't you? His name is King Jesus. There's a prophet in town who can bring healing to your neighbor's marriage problem. But the tragedy is, is that so many people are remaining silent and they're doing this. And then you watch them live a life of separation, just like a leper, a life of isolation, a life of depression, and no help or no hope is offered to them. It's time that we refuse to be silent. Amen. Moving on, verse 5. By all means go, the king of Aram said. Dude, go. Go. He says, I'll even help you. I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left. And he brought some trinkets with him, taking with him 10 talents of silver. In today's world, 10 talents, $182,000. 6,000 shekels of gold, 2.4 million. And 10 sets of clothing. The brother had a GQ fashion. He was actually bringing clothes, uh, royal clothes, to the king of Israel. 
So you can imagine, he, he says, okay, I, I, I've got a letter now. I've got to bring some goods. I've got to pay for my healing. The letter in verse 6, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. Another twist in the story. The servant girl said, go to the prophet. A little confusion on the part of Naaman. That's all right. We'll give him, we'll give him one do-over, right? And the king of Aram. But the letter was addressed to the king of Israel, not to Elisha, who was the prophet. You see, he thinks the king thinks that the king of Israel is the actual prophet. So truth number three, when you're wanting to be healed by God, don't go to the wrong places. Amen? There are stories in the Bible where people went to the wrong places. David took advice from Samuel without inquiring anything from the Lord. King Rehoam went to the, his friends to get some counsel instead of to the elders of the church to get counsel. And that didn't go over well. Divided kingdom. The Jews rejected the true prophets of the Lord. So the question is, do we do the same thing? Do we go to the wrong places? Absolutely. Yes, we do. And sometimes we do it without even knowing it. But I want to let you know tonight, the first order of business is you got to go to the Lord. If you need healing, if you need help, if you need some sort of counsel, you've got to go to the Lord and His Word. His Word, by the way, is the ultimate authority. Not what people say, not a book about what you're needing help with. Books are great, right? And I want to say that getting wise counsel from people is really step two. But the first order of business is you've got to go to the Lord. You've got to go to his word. His, that's why I love God's word. It's because it tells you everything that you need. It gives you the, all the, 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 the details, the instructions, how to get out of problems, how to get through problem, problems, and how to stay free. But yet many people, many Bible-believing Christians are going to the wrong places. For instance, you may know someone who is literally in their third marriage and they're headed for their fourth marriage. And who do they go to for advice? They go to somebody who's in their fourth marriage. Once you've gone to the Lord, once you've gotten in his word, I recommend that you get biblical sound advice. Not from people who you just want to hear what they have to say because it's going to make you feel good, right? But you need to get biblical sound advice. Once you've gone to the Lord in prayer and once you've read up or you've, you've uh, uh, investigated and, and you've researched and you've read scripture, amen, it's okay to get help from people. You got to make sure you're going to the right people. Amen. Moving on, verse number seven. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes. Maybe that's why he needed 10 sets of clothing. Maybe so. I don't know. And he says, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? 
See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. Another twist in the story. And right here, it gets kind of funny and it gets kind of good. Amen. Naaman and his caravan, they arrive at the king of Israel's house. Knock on the door and say, hey, I'm here. Ready to be healed. Got some money on my horses. But what happened? The king tears off his robes and goes, what are you doing here? Oh, I know why you're here. You see, we're enemies. Scripture says you're trying to pick a quarrel with me. I know. I know what your motive is. Oh, it looks good. You see, there was no cure for leprosy. So that's why the king of Israel probably put two and two together. He's here to take over. He's here to do damage. Truth number four, our first response reveals our beliefs. You see, the king of Israel's first, re his first response revealed a lot about him, didn't it? Never once did he consider God to be the healer of this guy called Naaman. Never entered his mind. His first response was, oh, he's after me. He's after something. Now, I want to let you know, we can't just point the finger at our friend here, King of Israel. We can't judge him too harshly. Because I wonder, I wonder how many times we've been faced with a difficulty. We've been faced with a situation. We're under pressure. And we don't turn to the one that can heal us. Maybe we turn to medication that can take the edge off. Let me tell you this. If you're in that stage of life where you're struggling, can I just encourage you to be careful of your first response, your first attitude? It needs to be the Lord can heal me. The Lord can deliver me. The Lord can put me and take me out of the ditch and put me on the high road. Amen. Because let me tell you, Satan's trap is very deceptive and it's very crafty. And his trap is very open and, and, and wide. And he'll get you believing stuff that does not line up with God's word. But we fall for that trap all the time. Because when the pressure is mounting, I've been there, amen. When the pressure is mounting, we go to what we think can help. And 11 times out of 10, it doesn't. Only God can help us. Amen. What would happen if we jumped into God's lap instead of jumping to conclusions? I think that if we spent more time on our knees, we wouldn't fall down as much. Amen. You can tweet that. Moving on, verse 8. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. 
Why have you torn your robes off? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Truth number five, Elisha shows complete confidence in God. He says, hey, come to my house. I know who can heal you. I've seen it with my own eyes. He says, I know the person who can remove the scales off of your skin. I know someone who can bring freedom to your spirit. Elisha says, don't bring him anyplace else. Mama can't fix it. Daddy can't fix it. Facebook can't fix it. Oh, it got real quiet. Moving on, verse 10, it gets really funny here. You got to laugh. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Truth number six, God's message is often very simple. What did Elijah tell the messenger to tell Naaman? Go to the water and wash seven times. Sometimes got to be honest, we overcomplicate things, don't we? Sometimes the God's message is so simple. It, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's almost funny that it's so simple. When Peter stood to preach the very first sermon that we see in the book of Acts, he was posed a question, what must I do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized. Shortest sermon in the history of the world. Simple, simple, cookies on the bottom shelf kind of sermon. Repent and be baptized. That was it. I get sometimes that sometimes it does take some effort to walk through a simple message like go wash in the water seven times. But sometimes what we do is we, we overcomplicate it. We, we get our theology mixed up a little bit and, and we revert to maybe what we've tried in the past. Well, let me try that again and it doesn't work. But let me tell you, God's word, if somebody have a Bible in here, a real leather Bible, just hold it up. Thank you. In that book are treasures and principles that are so simple. I've been asked, Rob, how do you get your message? How do you do a sermon? It's quite simple. God will give me, maybe in my reading time, he'll give me a, a, a story or something that, that my the brakes come on. I, I pump the brakes. Ooh. I think that could be a sermon, and that's it. I don't go to a website. I, 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 don't, uh, I don't have 30 books to, to choose and get my points. And they say, well, Rob, where do you get your points from? Out of Scripture. Let, hold your Bible up. You see, right there is the sermon. 
And I'll tell you how simple it is. When the Lord gave, when I found out that uh, last week that I was going to preach tonight, I put on the brakes the story of Naaman. And so I went to 2 Kings chapter 5, and that's where his story is, right? We're reading it as we speak. Well, where'd you get these nine truths? Well, I read the story. I'm not trying to... um, I used to complicate things when I preached, amen? Don't amen me right there. But man, what I overcomplicated, I would take days and months and years to try to get a message. And it was grueling. My wife can tell you. It was hard. But then the more I fell in love with God's word, the more I realized that the points to a sermon are in his word. Why am I going someplace else to get those words and points? And so literally on Monday, I started reading the story and, whoa, that little girl, that little servant girl, she wasn't quiet. She had to say something. So the point came to my mind. She refused to, I mean, all I'm saying is we can overcomplicate things, but his points for your life, your points for this message are right here in God's word. There's no reason to go to a TV or anything else. It's in his word for your life. Amen. Naaman said, go to the water and wash seven times. And then it gets really funny in verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and boohooed. He was a little boo-dayed. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord, his God. This is funny. You got to laugh. I thought he was going to wave his hand over the spot where my leprosy was and cure me of leprosy. Isn't that funny? The dude got offended. And then he says, are not, there's two rivers in Damascus. By the way, Damascus is in Syria. Are not the river Abana and Farpar? What a, what a river name, Farpar. Sounds like a character from Shrek or something. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel, the Jordan of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned off or he turned away and went off in a rage. Have you ever texted somebody, ugh, U-G-H, like, ugh? Right here is where you just want to text Naaman and go, come on, dude, really? Ugh. Really? Truth number seven, don't let your pride get in the way of your miracle. Again, where did I get that point? That's right there. It's pride. So I just want to let you, I want you, I want to give you a hint before we go any further. When you read your Bible, look for these points. Amen. They're going to pop off the page. You're not reading for information. You're reading for transformation. Naaman left Elisha's house 
very angry, very upset. He continued to fuss and fuss and fuss until he worked himself into a great rage. In fact, Naaman is the poster child of pride, right? He didn't think Elisha showed enough respect. He probably thought Elijah was downright rude. I can't even speak to Elijah. You got to send the messenger to tell me. And so the application is warning, caution. Pride will get in the way of a miracle for you. Amen. Moving on. In verse 13, Naaman's servants saw all of this happen in front of their eyes and they're like, oh no, he's missing out. And they say, they went to him and said, hey, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down. So in other words, what happened is his friends his servants realized that, you know what, Naaman is about to make a mistake and miss out on a miracle of God. And so they, they literally stop him and say, hey, hit the pause button, dude. He's trying to help you. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Truth number eight, there are benefits to surrounding yourself with true friends. Listening is the key. You see, when I was reading this story Monday, I was like, wow, his, his servants, his, his servants literally went from being a servant to being a good, true friend and said, Naaman, don't. If, if you want to live a life of regret, then go. But the man, Elisha, is trying to help you. He's given you the instruction from the Lord. If please, Elijah, if you would just listen. How many of you know true friends are good friends? And when you turn to a true friend, can I encourage you what that last blank says is just simply to listen to them. And you see that in Naaman. He was probably like, you know what? I'm not ever going to do this again. I'm going to my river. I don't want that river of Jordan. And then when those guys spoke to him, he said, ah, you're right. I'm about to make the biggest mistake of my life. Remember, he was alienated from his own army. He was alienated from his family. He was about to alienate himself from the entire world for the rest of his life. And he said, you know, my true friends, I'm going to listen to you. And that's encouraging to know. And let me just make a plug here for life groups. That was That's what life groups can do. Life groups is where you, you develop friendships and you have people speaking into people's lives. And they might see something in you that, that you don't see because we're always the last to know, aren't we? But true friends, you need them. We need them. 
And I, let me just say this, you, you've got to do it, you've got to do life together. If you're just coming to be an attender, you're missing out. You could, like Naaman, and this is not in my notes, but you could be making the biggest mistake of your life and walking away from freedom and walking away from deliverance and true life together. Amen? And so his buddies make an intervention. So Naaman takes her advice and he goes down to the river. And I can just see his friends. Seriously, it's kind of funny to me, but I can see his friends in the army. They're, they're at the top of the Jordan cheering Naaman on. And Naaman walks out a little bit. Come on, Naaman, you can do it, bro. Keep going, keep going. Yes, come on. Next thing you know, they put on the soundtrack of Rocky. He dips once, one, he dips two, and they're cheering him on. He gets to seven, yes, that's our brother. Amen? I actually did that when I was reading the story. I was, I was imagining these guys, and I'm like, one, two. We're proud of you, man. You came to Wild Game and you got saved. We're proud of you. You gave your life to the Lord. Are you ready to experience life like you've never experienced it? That's what those servants were doing. Those were his true friends. And this is where it gets emotional in the movie. We have a few boxes of Kleenex, so uh, we might want to start divvying them out. On the seventh dip, a man who had no hope, but who listened to a servant girl who was obedient to her creator. When he came up out of that water, God not only healed his leprosy, but God gave him supernaturally new skin. Guys, if you want to wipe your eyes now, you can. His flesh had been restored back the way God created it. Then Naaman in verse 15, and all his attendants went back to the man of God. So they go back to Elisha. And he says, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He says, please accept now this gift from your servant. Naaman comes back to Elisha's house. And I'm sure he said something like, I'm so glad I listened to you. I think Naaman and Elijah 
had a very long embrace. And the cool thing is, this was all done in front of this man's army, the second in command. You see, what what I think is that Naaman was not ashamed to say, the God of Israel healed me and delivered me. And so the last truth as we wrap this up, do not be ashamed to proclaim God's goodness. Amen? How many times has God pulled you out of a ditch? How many times has God helped you? I don't want you to miss out on telling other people about God's goodness. Sometimes the longer we go in our spiritual journey, the more disconnected we are to God's goodness because we're so on fire in the beginning, but as it goes and as it keeps going and going in years and years, yeah, God's good. Yeah, he's, he's all right. He's good. No, we need to tell everyone and not be ashamed of who we serve and not be ashamed to say that God healed me. Look at the athletes. You know, the ones that get interviewed, some of them say before anything, before they say, yeah, I threw the touchdown or I did this or I did that, I give everything to God for he is my God and my creator. That's what they say. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. And I just heard a report, it might have been yesterday or whenever, that now they're critics calling out these men and women who say, I give all the praise and all the glory first out of their mouth. You see, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. We cannot be ashamed of what God has done in our life. We cannot be ashamed of of maybe the addiction that God has delivered us from. We cannot be ashamed of the emotional uh, upheaval that God has pulled us through and now we're on the high road and living a healthy Christian spiritual life. We gotta give him the honor. So let me encourage you. When you're walking through with somebody and they're looking at you and they're asking questions, do not hesitate to say, well, Joe, let me tell you how I got through. God. God? Hey, you got about 10 minutes. I want to let you know. Can we, can we meet privately? This is how this goes. Can we meet privately? I just want to let you know that God pulled me through. Well, how did he do that? And then, boom, it opens up the door. And then you're, you're ready to say, hey, go wash seven times in the Jordan. <laughs> Give him the honor, the one who endured the cross. And so as we close, have you ever watched a movie and at the very end, something totally unexpected happens and you say, hmm, didn't see that coming. Well, that's what you're about to get right now. Something totally unexpected. In fact, I didn't even put it in your notes because I know half of you would have already read it and tried to figure it out. So I left it out on purpose. Mm -hmm, I got your number. Some of you, you just want to read ahead. And you. some of you even tried to fill in the blanks before we got to the blanks. Raise your hand. Um, yeah, I got some up front. I got some in the back. I got David. I got him back here. I need somebody back here to admit it. Yep, right here. Uh-huh. I know who you are. 
Baby, you got a pen so I can get their names down? Thank you. Turn to your neighbor and say, didn't see that coming. In Luke chapter 4, and we're going to end here, uh, Jesus, right after he was tempted, I don't know if it was the next day, I can't remember, but he's actually in a synagogue ministering to people. He's actually talking to a crowd of people. And he gets to a point of his sermon, and he literally takes a scroll of Isaiah and unrolls it. And it's the part of Scripture that says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know that Scripture, to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted. And then right after that, he sits down, and the people were blown away. They were amazed. Scripture says they were amazed. And then he says something that really hits a hot button. He says, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. He's in Nazareth. He's in his hometown. And he says, I'm not welcome here. Hmm. Why did Jesus say that? You see, what he's doing is he's he's starting to hit that nerve. He's starting to hit the unbelief that's in their heart. And how do I know that? Well, look what it says in Luke 4, 27. It's going to be up on the screen. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. So right here, Jesus says, hey, let me tell you, back in the day, In this nation that we're in right now, there were many lepers who had an opportunity to get healed. Yet none, not one of them was cleansed. Only who got cleansed? People tell me. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say it was Naaman. Jesus referenced this story in Luke. He says, basically, in Elisha's day, there were many lepers. They heard about Naaman's story. Maybe some of them actually witnessed the dipping of seven times. Yet not one of them came to me to get healed. They simply remained unbroken, or excuse me, broken. They remained in isolation and secluded. Let me tell you, there are people around us that if we don't say something, will essentially remain broken and unclean and isolated for the rest of their life. And they're going to die with regret. Let me tell you this. Naaman's story is truly more than a Hallmark movie in a good storyline. Amen. It's about a man who was once at the pinnacle of his life and career. Who had fallen into desperation and had no hope. Naaman's story is his story of belief. 
It's his story of faith. It's his story of obedience, his story of gratitude, but it's also his story of receiving freedom. So maybe you're the one. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the one. Maybe you're the one like the servant girl who decided and refused to remain silent. Maybe you're the one that can bring hope to someone that you know that needs hope. Maybe you're the one to say, I know who can help you. Maybe you're the one to say, can I pray for you? Maybe you're the true friend who says, I'll walk down to the river. I love that song, by the way, down to the river. You don't want to hear me sing it. That's, it's uh, one of my favorite songs with my grandchildren. Whenever it comes on and, I, and they're riding with me, we roll down the windows and we got that, what do you call that thing at the top? What do you call that? A, a rooftop, sun top, sun roof, whatever it's called. That thing does that. And we blast it. It's our song. Maybe you're the one to go down to the river. Maybe you're the one that can be the catalyst to someone's freedom. Next Friday night, it's a great opportunity to invite someone. You're bringing them to the river. Amen, Brother Brandon. I see it in their eyes because I sit right there. Last year, we had about 75 hands go up. I'm a witness to men in our church who have become the one. It's my favorite night. Well, besides my anniversary, I got to say that. It's my second favorite night of the year. I know I'm going late, but I'm sorry. It's on my heart. I watch it in her eyes when that whoever is our guest speaker brings it home to home plate. You got guys who are hard-nosed and crusted. They've got leprosy. They've got scales on their skin from years of abuse. Maybe they were abandoned. I'm sorry for doing this with you. Help me, Lord. Get through this. They've been abandoned. They've never heard the gospel in their life. We give them a meal out here, but we give them a meal in here. It changes their life forever. 
We're not here to get them to church. We're get them, we get them here to transform their life. And it's such a blessing. And, and, and the men of our church who come every year and cook, you know what? They don't have to. They get to do it and they love it. We got volunteers who come out. By the way, we still need volunteers. We need some donated meat if you, if you still want to cook. But we've got guys who take off vacation to come help us because they see the value in the night. Maybe you're the one to become a little servant girl. I hope that this story stays with you because when I read it Monday, it had such a profound impact on my life. I'm never going to forget this story. Never, ever, ever. And I hope it does not leave your mind either. Maybe you can identify with a servant girl. Maybe you can identify with Naaman. Maybe you needed to hear this message of hope. Maybe you needed to hear this message of freedom. But it's my prayer that you understand that God does not want you to remain unclean. He doesn't look at you as an outcast. He loves you with such an undeniable, undescribable passion. Because in Scripture it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And that joy was you, and that joy was me. Amen. If you would, please stand. Maybe you're a Naaman, and just like Naaman gave his life to the Lord, he, 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 he said, you know what, this pride and all this other stuff, I just got to lay it down at the altar. Maybe that pride has been keeping you from a relationship with the Lord. Maybe like Naaman, you, you don't have a physical leprosy, but maybe there's something in your life that has been just so overwhelming and, and just you feel like you're isolated. You've been alienated. Well, God wants to help you today. He wants to help you tonight. But the first step is simply receiving his love and his salvation. So do me a favor and just bow your head, close your eyes. <clears throat> maybe you're here tonight. And you said, wow, Rob, you know, Naaman's story is definitely um, a, a good story. And I see that he submitted himself. I want to submit myself to the leadership of God. I want to ask God to forgive me of my sins. I want to walk a new life with Jesus. 
I want to accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. If that's you, just simply lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. This this night is literally your journey like Naaman. Lord is saying, I want you to just simply walk down to the river and dip into the Jordan River. And so let's just say this prayer carpetly because there were a couple hands that went up. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I need my sins forgiven. And like Naaman, I need to be washed and cleansed. And so tonight, I yield myself to you and accept you into my life. Tonight, I call you my Lord and Savior and my healer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time tonight, there's a card in your uh, pew that says made a decision. You just simply check off that said, um, I made a decision for Christ. And if you could bring it to our info center, which is simply through these doors and to the left. What a story, huh? It's more than a storyline. But it's about a man who just simply had faith enough to believe a little servant girl. Obedience enough to listen to some true friends. And his life was radically changed forever. Do you think he went home a little high? A little excited? You know, I had this thought today when I was reading. I'm sure he and his wife had a lot to talk about. And I think he was a catalyst in his home and in his army. Amen. Well, thank you for coming tonight. Uh, enjoyed being with you. Uh, again, if you need tickets for Wild Game, they're in our coffee shop. If you want to sign up to help, you can go out here. We have an iPad. If not, you can go on your phone or to the website. Let me pray over you before you leave. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't leave. Come on, come on back. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare your goodness over your people. Lord, may we all walk in faith and believe, Lord, that when we walk down to the river, we will be cleansed and washed. And Lord, we will receive that freedom and receive that healing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.